Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. On today's episode of Conversations on Dance, we are joined by choreographer Jody Melnick. Jody has been featured on the podcast several times to explore the range of her experiences as both choreographer and dancer. But today we focus specifically on how Jody defines and explores the collaborative process. Jody's latest creative output, a work for American Ballet Theater principal Devin Tuscher, will be featured at Art Bath in New York City. Tickets are available at artbathnyc.com. Jody, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. I have to admit, I had some FOMO about Veil in general, but especially about your episode with Michael and our guest host, Patricia Delgado. Um, I remember when Michael got out of it, I was still in the hospital, as we just deduced date-wise. But he texted me. I was like, oh, Jody was so good today. Wait till you hear it. It's so great. And I was like, oh, man. And he goes, she told this incredible story. Like, you just wait till you hear it. It's going to be so good. So I get the file to post it online. And then we had a sound problem. So we missed this incredible story. And everyone was like, what about this story with Jody? Do you know what the story Wait, let me think. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, it was... It's the Lost Highway story. I was gonna say, was it the opera? Yes. Um, it was yes. the Lost Highway story. Okay. Yes. Um, they, um, let's see. Many years ago, um, I got a phone call from this guy. I think in Vienna, Joachim Schlumer, who used to dance with Mark Morris. Okay. And he said, Misha gave me your number to see if you're interested in doing this opera in Vienna, and I'm like. I just want to be very clear. I'm not, no disrespect, but Mark, I'm not that interested in, I was a young dancer. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not that interested in Mark Morris's work. I don't think he's like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I'm not interested in that. I'm just interested in using you as a dancer and like, you know, in this, in this opera in Vienna. And it's, you know, for me, it was a lot of money during the summer and you'll have a great time. And I was like, look, you know, I was really gigging and that's kind of where I made all my freelance money 
was going to Europe and either teaching or performing. And I mean, the work is amazing in New York, but in my field, it's, you know, so we would always do these gigs. So I went away and I did this great gig and I met these incredibly talented opera singers and a group of dancers, um, mostly from Australia that Joachim had um, combined, um, got together and we had this great time, but it was wild to do this opera, even opening night of the opera. Um, you know, opera singers generally mark everything. You right. know, they don't things full out. So dress rehearsal or the opening night, this guy went just like full on the baritone or the tenor and like flung me across stage and I slipped on like cabbage and fake blood and I broke my elbow and it was like, it was like crazy, but needless to say, it was a great six week experience. And I go home and I get home and Joachim calls me and he said, I just want to let you know, I'm doing this David Lynch opera Lost Highway. And I would love for you, for you to be in it. And, um, you know, you'd be used as a mover, but mostly like it's an acting role. And I was like, oh my God, I would love to do it. I'm really, you know, I knew all the David Lynch movies and I was really excited to do it. And they go and they start it, and it was in Graz in Austria. And I was with Trisha Brown in uh, Lucerne in, in Switzerland, this gorgeous opera place. And we were doing, I was assisting her on setting an opera. So I said, as long as I could come like five days after you guys start, you're okay with that. He's like, no, that's great. You know, you don't have a very big role. I was like, fantastic. I got the script. I memorized all my five or six lines. And we get to the first rehearsal. And the two leads were people I knew from Vienna who were the lead singers and we were close. And it's my turn to say my line. And Joachim is there, but he's not the musical conductor. The music conductor is one of the most famous, and I should know his name, from the contemporary um, Viennese contemporary orchestra. Mm -hmm. And he's doing this, and he goes to, points to me, gestures to me, and I say, you know, Pete, what happened to your face? The role I'm playing is the mother Mm -hmm. of the lead in Los lost highway and he's like Jody Melnick excuse me Jody Melnick come over here he's like what are you doing this is an opera I was like what what are you doing like with your arms at me like, well what are you mezzo- doing yeah what are you doing and, and he's like this is a mezzo soprano role I was like excuse me I was like Joachim can you like so we're all there I said you know you're aware that I'm a choreographer and a dancer and you know He's like, oh, yeah, my assistant, Ingrid, who was a fellow dancer, told me that you have a, you know, you're you have a really good voice and you're a good actress. And I was like, I, I met what? Like a mess, like to sing, like hanging out at a bar. <laughs> so they said, look, it's a character role. You don't have to be this brilliant singer. What we'll do is we'll train you and we'll give you like five or six days of training. We'll give you a coach and we'll let you know how you do. So for five or six days, I like trained my butt off, like with scales. And um, the woman had me sing like the whole Beatles catalog. And every day I would do this work. And I got, you know, I got to a point, I said, just be honest with me. I can take it, you know. 
So he said, no, great, you can do it. Um, but there got to a point where I was over training, you know, I was like right. over rehearsing as I love to do. <laughs> and like the leads were like, Jody, you're sounding like you're like doing some kind of like Gregorian chant mixed with like Turkish. He's they're like, you just gotta stop at one point and like trust your <laughs> voice. And so I sang in an opera and it was really, it was magical. Wow. I mean, it was to be on that stage with that conductor. And, you know, the first time they do that, they point to you and you're like, I don't know what any of these gestures mean. Sure. So, yeah, that's one of the nuttier things. It's just such a like a scene out of a movie. Yeah, it is not a lynched movie, but (laughs) yeah. And the brilliant, brilliant composer, Olga Newberth. Um. And um, Genelec, who they, I think she won a Nobel Prize or something for her writing or the libretto, but um, just beautiful women to work with, really fantastic. So I wonder after that happened, have you put all those singing skills to the test ever since then? Or was that your one time? I'm good. I always love to, I do love to sing, but no, I did not continue like singing. (laughs) Well, we can catch you singing in bars sometimes. Maybe. Yes. You can catch me singing in in bars. Yeah. It sounds yeah. that way. Well, one of the things I was listening to um, the episode from Vale this morning, and one of the things you actually mentioned, which is a great segue into what we want to talk about today, but that you you were like, oh, we could have a whole conversation about collaborations. That's what we kind of yeah. want to chat with you about today um, and kind of hear your thoughts on um, when you get in the studio how much of an idea do you have of what you want to do and how much kind of comes from like you're talking about that collaboration process with either the dancers or the musicians, like anyone that you're working with? Um, that, that idea and that word um, has really changed since I guess like the, the late 80s or 90s since I've been doing that. Um, I think my own experience has always been that I, I've, I've always felt very valued as a contributor to someone's process. And I've always really loved and loved going really deep and loved like that idea of opening my veins and just like giving everything to a choreographer because I did feel very integral to their process and appreciated. And of course, Mm -hmm. in my field, I'm not talking about monetarily appreciated. Mm -hmm. That's just not the field, especially back then. Right. Um, But there was also a sense that it was a different kind of generosity. You know, you just assumed whatever we all had, we gave to each other. Nobody was trying to get one over, you know, get someone for cheap or free. It was just what the times and what the situation was. So I never felt, because I started in that kind of world with smaller groups and freelances, I never had that feeling of that I was a a, a submissive, non-thinking artist, dancer, human being. I never felt like just being a dancer wasn't enough or I was being taken advantage of. And then naturally what happens is, you know, when that happens, when you think, oh, that's all too much of me and not enough of them. And you're feeling the line is blurry and it's Mm -hmm. feeling uncomfortable and you pull back. I mean, that's happened a couple of times, but generally 
that hasn't been my experience. So that that has, you know, translated into doing my own work of having a very um, collaborative experience using that word in a sense that I like, I look forward to working with individuals and their individuality, whether it's their body type, what they bring into their work emotionally, um, physically, um, with me sort of at the helm, sort of directing and leading and the movement stemming from my own body. But I like that the movement idea would change and morph and they would have a they would have a voice in there. And I would feel very, I mean, I was having this conversation with um, one of my dancers and I say dancer because it's a very young ex-student of mine Uh uh, that I feel very comfortable that I could say, no, let's not do it. Let's do it this way without them feeling that I'm taking some some kind of agency away from her just because right. of the nature of how we were working. So how that translates to the way I would work now in terms of being prepared, you know, sometimes I'm very prepared with an idea or a an image, a narrative. I mean, I'm reading something now that is sort of provoking so that I always part is because I, I love creating movement. I always have an idea of what kind of movement modality I want to use, which usually comes from me being alone in the studio. I don't think mm-hmm. I would ever go into a studio with a dancer just cold right. unless it's a true collaboration. And what I mean by a true collaboration in today's, in the, the way I think about it is that two artists get together and they say, I, I want to make a work with you. And we start in the studio and we start talking and we develop our process. It's what I'm doing right now with a very young choreographer, Maya Lee Parrots, um, who was a former student of mine. And she's someone who has been a dancer in my own work. But this is a different thing, like mm. content, context, um, conversations. She's going home and thinking about this and pining over it and worrying about ideas and situations just as much as I am. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, it's it's a relief. It's because I'm interested in having another thing, another right. input. But I think dancers today who come from a certain world have not felt that um appreciated or maybe they've been infantilized in a way that I have not been infantilized and they want to like have their mark and they want to be known as just not an objectified body um which I never really experienced so they want to have a role in this collaboration and I have I believed and I have actually stood up for myself and I have said look you know this is not a collaboration between Jody and these five dancers. This is my work. Sure. That and I said these dancers know how I feel about them. This work is this way because of them. But they it, there's something very different that they come into the studio and they're with me and I want them to be open and exposing, but I'm crafting the work. So I don't have a problem saying no. I'm the choreographer. I it's it's with major contributions from them. Mm-hmm. But it's very different from me saying that Jody Melnick and this woman, Miley Parrots, or my friend John Kinzel, or right. you know, um David Newman in collaboration. We are in this together, making a work. 
together. This is mm -hmm. both of us costume, color, design, temperature, um, conversations, material. Um, yeah. And it's not it's not um, better. It's not more sophisticated. It's just very different. And I want right. to be very clear. I'm just trying to be very clear with this a younger generation that I'm not interested in taking advantage. I'm interested taking advantage. I'm interested in get you having this rich experience that right. you want to. Yeah. I think yeah. that's interesting because I, I can think of situations where I think every dancer has had a moment where the choreographer in the front of the room is basically um, like, okay, do something, you know, do something. right. <laughs> <laughs> inspire me mm -hmm. um you know and and you're right because then that that does blur those lines where it's like yeah well, where's the you know you're not getting a choreography credit so it's like right where I mean, where sorry michael no no, no i i yeah no, so I, mean, I think that it's uh it's a back and forth it's like finding the balance like you say and like they're two very different things if it is like an, a, an actual legitimate collaboration versus like uh, of course, the dancer inspires, the dancer contributes, but it is still choreographer's work. Right. Right. I mean, I can give you very specific um, scenarios that I've been in like that. Um, one is working with my, one of the most, for me, brilliant choreographers, Susan Redhorst. Um Many years ago, this is like in the early 2000s, um, making a incredible piece called Behold Bold Sam Dog. And it was basically a duet for myself and Vicky Schick with other dancers in it. So she was really working a lot with Vicky Schick and myself. And I was very um, quiet in the room it was all believe it or not I'm very quiet when I'm <laughs> and it's all about like you know I'm in the corner working on material and movement like if I'm a if I'm a dancer in your space and um <laughs> at the end I had this just you know glorious which I love solo that was done to a um very postmodern dry choreographer and um it was done to a Beatles song, Come Together. It's really oh, one of yeah. my favorite things I've ever done. And it was a really incredible piece. And it's so clear that my relationship with her in the studio and us getting to know each other and what she pulled out of me was very much of Jody and mm -hmm. You know, they did something in the new in in Time Out with like you know a picture of me and an interview about Sue, and then the guys from Apple Records came possibly to sue us because we were using <laughs> music, and you know uh -huh. it it was a great it was a great thing. And I walked away from that thinking, in no way would I ever say that that was a collaborative piece. Right. That was Sue Redhorst's brain and her heart thinking mm -hmm. work and the reason it looked that way is because she was in the studio with me pulling that out of me and giving me material we were I was working a lot of getting things just starting with her picking up improvisations but it was it's so I hate to say Jody-esque and right. idiosyncratic to my body but it's all I would never say oh I made that piece in collaboration 
though she right. was she wouldn't have been able to do any of those steps it was me but i would never say that that was right. her brain and her body and her thought process and the same is true for you know the work i've done with rudner with sarah rudner and you know trisha brown there came a point where i was making opera work with her and um she would, you know, get out of the chair and she would give me an idea and then she would sit back in the chair and I'd be like, oh, my God, the whole reason I want to be with you, Trisha, my whole life was to absorb your physicality. So there are these long stretches in these opera that are from my body that I translated to these opera dancers that work would never I would never assume that that I should have a choreographic in collaboration with Trisha Brown for that opera work. It was mm -hmm. all because of her and her research and her being in the room. And right. it really does make a difference. Never once would any of these choreographers say, you know, make something, entertain me. It just doesn't, that's not <laughs> been my experience. Uh -huh. Like um, the, the greatest artist, person, human being, dancer, choreographer, person I know is, you know, Sarah Rudner. And when I was alone, started alone with her in the studio in the very early 90s, which was how I got hooked into the Twilight Company, Sarah was having um, really bad hips. That was when her she was starting to have the hip surgeries. So we were doing a lot of talking and a little bit of moving. And she was sort of observing more and sitting and directing. So all that material that we were making was not her saying, you know, I can't do this. You do this. Entertain me. It was still mm -hmm. a tran a certain kind of transmission. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the experience. These uh, another generation of dancers or a more um, balletic. Is that fair yeah. to say? Or yeah, that's you know that's what I was going to say. Maybe it's yeah. maybe it's more of a of a ballet thing. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, that's, yeah, those, I think those people are kind of hacks, but, you know, you know you've had, yeah. like, I, I've heard it's about like, whole names, Michael. Oh, <laughs> no, actually, yeah. I mean, I, it really wasn't too much of our experience. I, I mean, really in Miami City Ballet, we brought in great choreographers that, you know, are yeah. certainly not hacks. Right. Um, well, what <laughs> but I, I've, Sorry, ahead, what I was just going to say, what I find interesting about you talking about this is something that Michael and I speak about all the time is like taking your experience as a dancer and saying what you like and what you didn't like, and then transferring that to then your work later, if you're a teacher, if you're a choreographer. So here you are talking about this experience and how you felt appreciated yeah. and you felt like you were infused in the choreography, but the choreographer's voice was still there, you know? So it's like, you're really using those things that you learned and to create a positive impact on, you know, the dancers that you're working with. I think it also has to do with like the, 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 the choreographer. And I don't say that like dancer choreographer hierarchy. Right. I don't right. feel that way. It's just a mm -hmm. different skill set and a different thing you hone in on. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not entirely true. Right. But we could talk about that in after this. Um, I love being in, you know, because I'm so committed and interested physically to move. I love being in the trenches with the other people in the room. And for me, that translates into a very physical transmission. Um, 
as I said, Sarah in the beginning wasn't always physical because of her injuries, but then, I mean, she's phenomenal after it was amazing. You'd think she was like a 20 year old still. I just saw her last week, mm-hmm. about three weeks ago in California, she's well into her seventies. And I'm like, wow, it's wow. just this brilliant human being. Um, and just this mover, but like, there's a different way to be in the trenches, just not physically. And I feel like I still want to be in the trenches and that all these choreographers I've worked with have always felt like they were in the trenches with me. Mm-hmm. And I was happy to be in that trench. And, you know, that's not to say it's all been like pearls and roses and, you know, it, there have been times where I have felt, um, you do all that work and then all of a sudden you're you're dismissed because they don't want your work to look a certain way because you make their work look a certain way and that become that can become uninteresting and as a choreographer i do get that but there's a way to deal with that with the dancer and it's it's hard and it's tentative but i think it's really important as a choreographer to recognize that and to have that uh conversation so the dancer doesn't feel like used or Mm -hmm. disposable Mm -hmm. can we circle back to something you mentioned earlier where you're talking about like you're interested in what the dancers are offering physically but then you said emotionally and i think that kind of reminded me of what patricia delgado was talking about in our prior interview with you the two of you um that she didn't feel like she had to like put her emotional baggage, check her emotional baggage at the door. Or you mentioned like working, um, you know, in the days following Roe v. Wade, getting struck yeah. down and that like, it wasn't just like, okay, now just because you feel bad or you're upset, you know, shut that down and we have to work and make this process happen. Like that you, right. that you, but like, how do, how do you, how does that affect your process? And I, I love that you're, you're like, let's everyone be people and like, feel the feelings that you're feeling in this moment but what how do you then like use that or what what is that like how does that affect your process well you know I'm not sure how it affects my process I'm just sure that it's part of my cellular molecular being that I absorb all that so that when there's like that a wholeness of a person that I'm working with and I think that I would be remiss if I if I didn't say, oh, I was really I was really negatively affected by that or I was really downtrodden or I felt like, you know, there was something I felt powerful in the female body, especially at that time with these female dancers. Um, you know, who this woman, Patricia, gave birth to a human being I've never like my god how could you not be affected or how could that not affect your body or like I don't want to pretend that it's that you're just this dancer person I kind of want the whole thing but that's not to say that it's a therapeutic session right at all it's often like like you know come in and oh my god you know how are you if you want to I'm not I don't need to be close to my dancers that way Mm -hmm. I just feel that it's such a familiar air. It's such a familiar ground and it's such an intimate, you know, knowing how they feel about things is, is important to me, knowing how they feel about movement, how it feels in their body or knowing what they're thinking is, is, I don't know. It's, it's, 
it's important to me as a choreographer because I think it's important to them and and I'm interested in that, right? Kind of want to like fall a little bit in love with the people you're. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST working with right yeah so yeah hearing Patricia talking about it it kind of made me think like if I were in her position working with you in that way where like even if you come in if you're feeling a certain way that day like because you don't have to force it away you kind of can use that and then you get to the therapy part of dancing where you get to focus on something else and kind of like it becomes that meditative thing instead of like when you're just feeling so forced to put everything away and like be, you know, be so professional, not to say that, you know, right. it's not a professional right. environment, but you you know what I mean? It's like, there's right. always that sense of like, you just have to be this, like, there can sometimes be a sense of like, you have to be this robot and you have to work and you have to do the same amount right. and work the same way every single day. And every day is just a little different. I mean, I think a lot of it also has to do with the, um, the singularity, the individual and the smallness of my life in a way, mm-hmm. like you come into the studio, there's not a, there's not a table set up with clipboards and an assistant and a manager and someone, it's, <laughs> the circus is run by me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the clown. I'm the person being shot out of the cannon. I'm the one doing washing the t-shirt and the costume. I'm the one like, Popping the popcorn. I mean, and I I've set it up that way. I mean, that's a whole other thing. You, you know, I've set it up that way so that it is a very kind of small space. Mm-hmm. There is yeah. that, you know, and it, it it I also think it's efficient. It means that when we work, we work. Like I only have these two or three hours with you. Mm-hmm. I really want work I really want to work or I mean often you know like in this collaboration that I'm doing right now with this young dancer um, I mean we're all going through stuff and I know her she was my student years ago Um, but you know what's interesting with age we could talk about ageism in this kind of art world this dance world like it doesn't matter that I'm so much older than her we're kind of like have found our a little bit of equal ground, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so when there is a lot to talk about, there's a lot I could offer her in terms of, you know, advice, whether it's personal or professional. And there's a lot because she knows me so well and she's so eager that she can comfort me. And a lot of times we see each other and it's just like, oh my God, we just want to debrief, but we actually work through it and just say, you know what, let's work and let's go through with our idea. 
And then we have time, you know, after, Mm. which I always found very productive just to see each other or to recognize each other. I don't know. Maybe it's a very female thing. Is that, you know, I don't know. Just maybe. Yeah. Is this, um, tell me a little bit more about this work. Is this, do you have like a, a premiere in mind for this? Is this just experimenting in the studio? What's brought on this collaboration um, with your younger dancer friend? What, okay, what brought on this collabor- collaboration was there, I do get to a point where I'm very eager to not be the one in charge once in a while. It's <laughs> sort of like a relief. And it's also really interesting for me to be pushed in a different direction even if it's something as simple as like movement creation rhythm, you know, it's nice for me to be like, Oh my, I want to experience that in my body. or I want to shape something that way. Um, Right. Right. Pre COVID we started, like I said, this young, this young choreographer, Maya um, had been in a couple of my pieces. One was a piece that I made at Barnard and another one, was a piece that I made um, on Governor's Island in the moat, mm. which um, called moat a few years ago. That's and so cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I could send you some footage of that, oh, and yeah. um, we'll share it to our social media. That'll be fun. Yeah, and um, we just started. You know, I got really intrigued by her own work, and we just started having these conversations and. I've always invited people into the studio with me pre-COVID that I was like, look, I'll be in the studio all weekend. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but you're welcome to stop by and either share the space with me or so she would come. And then we just developed this um, this process of kind of warming up and watching each other, um, whether our eyes are closed or eyes are open and kind of notating. So we've developed this thing that we get this this idea when we get into the studio we always start with the same thing and we either just keep doing the same thing for more adding increments of minutes on or we said oh let's right away start sculpting something mm-hmm. depending on what direction it's going and it just felt like a very symbiotic interesting provocative way to be working with this new energy and uh we both were reading the same book, Aqua Viva, by Clarice Lispector, this Brazilian philosopher, writer. Um, and then I was reading her a biography about her, and she was like, oh, my God, so was Maya was reading the biography. So now we've been interested in this woman, Clarice Lispector, who I normally don't work with such um, specific texts, mm-hmm. but she's a um, Ukrainian-Russian-born woman who in the early 1900s who grew up in Brazil and um, just her use of rolling and stream of consciousness language and her history has been really interesting for both of us. So we kind of been talking about that. And this, we're starting to sculpt the material that's sort of very intricate and meditative and I don't know until we make it, but we're just in mid process right now. We have a showing, um, I think the end of the week, I have a residency at Bershakov Art Center the following week after Devin's show at Art Bath, and we'll have a showing there Saturday. And then at Wise Acres, Kathy Weiss's space, which used to be Simone Forte's space at Fa, uh, 
down on Broadway between Prince and Spring. We have a showing there in December 12th. Yes, something like December 12th. And then hopefully next year, we'll bring this duet to the University of Chicago Arts Center. um, And it'll be put on another piece that I'm making with Paul Kaiser and Mark. um, Oh, my God. What's Mark's name? I have to get back to. Isn't that terrible? Just flew out of my head. Head. And they are uh, they are these um, digital video artists um, who did biped with Merce Cunningham and did some Trisha Brown work. And so they've been they were at the forefront of motion capture. And so they've done stuff with Bill T. And how cool. They're very busy, very busy, Jody. Um, <laughs> not, you know, not really. I mean, yes and no. I mean. <laughs> Not, I should be a little more busier, but, you know, I don't know. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back to think if I want to dance again, which I, Mm. it's been a rough couple of years with my accident. So I'm trying to persevere, be resilient and my body back to my ankle, my foot. So hopefully... I'm performing, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I sure hope so. Can you tell us a little bit about your collaboration with Devin Tusher um, coming up on November 12th? Yeah. It's, um, I met Devin in Vail. Oh, another Vail intro. (laughs) I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not, believe it or not, I'm not in the ballet world at all. Um, so I saw her a rehearsal. Um, I'm a little bit of, I guess, a movement geek. So I always love to be around movement. So mm-hmm. I was like, one of those days I was up on those rocks, just warming up. And she was on stage with her, with Corey, I think who's her boyfriend. And they were doing other dancers, the, the Jer- Jerome Robbins. And she did this one thing with Corey downstage left in the corner where she put her, I videotaped it. She put her hand out and then Corey went like this. And then, and it was just the attentiveness and the lack of indulgence. And mm-hmm. there was something extremely spectacular in the lack of performativity mm-hmm. and the simpleness and elegance in how she touched or didn't touched in the shape she left I just kind of my heart just like swelled and I was like oh wow I love that feeling when I see dance and um later in the week she was performing the Swan Lake dance yes and I literally literally stood up to leave because I was like I you know I just don't need to see a Swan Lake I don't need to see another gorgeous beautiful Nothing's wrong with gorgeous, beautiful women and dancers. But I was like, it was a little too much of the beauty quota for me. (laughs) And I was just about to leave. And she walked out on stage. And I just, again, I was just not starstruck. I was just awestruck by the the elegant, simplistic, simplistic, what she was conveying. And and how I felt it was, uh, it was, um, relevant to this female body it wasn't you know I just assumed it would have no relevance but it was how she was performing this that I just felt oh wow Mm -hmm. and then 
I just was, you know, I said, oh my God, I just, thank you. I just thought you were stunning. And she was like, oh, thank you. You know, I've been watching you move. And <laughs> so we got back from Vail and she called, she, you know, she messaged me or something. And she said, you know, I have this idea for this project. And I was like, really? You want to work with me? And so I called her. She said, she told me about Art Bath. And I said, wow, this might be a really great first meeting of you of you and I. It's, you know, very unconventional. It's not in a traditional space, which I happen to love not working in traditional spaces. So Art Bath is, um, I don't know a lot about it. I'm sure you guys did some looking around, but Liz and this woman, Mara Driscoll from the Metropolitan Ballet Company. Is that what they're? During COVID, they put together these uh these soirees mm-hmm. and they got this space on the east side have you guys been to this space i know i'm there this space is incredible it's this seemingly eccentric man michael owns this townhouse and one side is a trippy <laughs> cafe and the other side is this, these these um, gallery spaces that are very, you know, grassroots, but these beautiful gallery spaces, maybe three or four. And then the, the, the back space is a bigger space where they could put a piece of Marley down. And that's where they said I would do this thing with Devin. It was very vague. It's very mm-hmm. like trying to wrap my head around it. I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around it. And it has many components. There's a project where a woman, um, Marcella, paints this huge sculpted 20-foot dress on her that detaches. And then she leaves and there's this, there's like another movement thing that has nothing to do with me and another band that has nothing to do with me. And then like an hour later, the doors open and you see um, Devin and they wanted me to use this painted long huge skirt and I was like I mean I love a challenge and I also like that I also like projects where they're like these are the parameters it's very right, yeah fun. I was like okay I hate and love that <laughs> I was like okay so I just have this idea of this huge skirt hanging from the rafters and Devin in it and she coming out and and doing this, um, I can't think of it as a dance, which is what I said last time because of the time constraint, but it's such an odd night, uh, such mm-hmm. an eclectic night that it's sort of a movement, um, a movement experience coming out of this dress and this wonderful um, experimental pianist, Adam Tendler will be, accompanying her on something that he's going to compose that's very cage-ish we think maybe prepared (laughs) piano and then we're going to use a prepared song that I've chosen which I'm also very reticent and hesitant and I feel like I could pull it at the last moment and just do it in silence but I think for this, it might be kind of nice, you know. Yeah. They're describing it a little bit as like a happening, which I'm kind of like, ooh, but <laughs> we'll be drinking and 
But the thing I love most about it is that I've gotten to spend some time in the studio with Devin, who is just exquisite and extraordinary and super interesting and smart. And so it's been really nice for me to. Um, it sounds like such a cool evening. I, I love the yeah. kind of like. Well, maybe you guys um, can come. Yeah. I mean, I'm in town. Oh, you are? Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm in I'll Florida, but um, oh, leave Florida. Michael okay. can text me. He always keeps me updated on all these things right. that he gets to see. Right. But it does sound amazing. So, but I, I wonder too, like you mentioned, you're not so much maybe in the ballet world. So when you're working with Devin, how do you kind of bring in her ballet-ness, but also bring in your Jodiness <laughs> and kind of, you know, work with her to get that kind of different feel? Um. First of all, I had to go look at the space, right, and see what's available. It's very unconventional. Mm -hmm. um, there's a kind of a, a highbrow, lowbrow scrappiness to the space. Raw, no, let's just say rawness to the space. So I was thinking to make a ballet and they're going to put Marley down with chairs around. It would just look so odd mm. coming out of this this long skirt and she's in a sort of like a leotard or something that they're going to make. Uh, I just visually having doing something balletic on point, it would just, it sort of translated into something a little more cheesy to me. Mm -hmm. so I was like, let's not make a ballet, you know? And of course she was all for that. She agreed that she wasn't really interested in making a ballet piece. So I think that I have a, a, a great appreciation for um, a physicality that embodies both upright, line-oriented, um, spatial, directional intention, along with like a weighted, heavy, more guttural, nuanced. I like both of those. I think I carry both of those in my body, even though... I don't consider myself like a technician that way. I think my body has those forms naturally that I could either hone or dismiss. Mm -hmm. um, so I I automatically can relate to different kinds of physicalities. And I guess I, without being very studied in ballet, can relate to how something is very... Um, specific in its body and if I can translate through my own specificity and talk about it someone as sophisticated as Devin can retranslate that mm -hmm. so I don't I started with her with a with a very clear idea of maybe a passage of movement like say a sentence long of movement that I felt like don't hold back Jody just go into the the body you want to be in right now and imagine you're doing it in this space and I just Devin came in the first day and I just started working with her and like I said I had an idea of the first sentence I was going to do and I think for a while I just was like I just was wondering how she would react so I just started moving and I think when she realized I wasn't going to stop and teach it to her, she just started doing it. Mm. And then I said, oh, I'll break it down for you. So then I, I mean, I could really break down something and translate it and talk about, you know, like I started it with my finger and then my elbow and then my, like I could really go into the, the, the lexicon and 
find a very codified language that she could hook into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, I just kept riffing on that. And I was like, oh, let me see what you got. And I was like, oh, I like that. I said, you could do it this way or you could do it as specifically as I'm doing it. Mm-hmm but you could do it a different way. Oh, cool. So we kind of like went like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is what I, what I love that you just said is that you related yourselves as artists through the, the specificity. Like one might yeah. be tempted, like we Rebecca and I love going in these deep dives with people in other dance forms that like we had no, had no experience in. Like for instance, the Graham people telling us like the specificity of the Porta bra. And, or like at Ragamala talking about the specificity of the way they hold their feet and their fingers. And, yeah. um, but instead of being like, oh, that makes you so different, actually the fact that we work in forms and we are so specific, almost it's a uniting thing. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, oh, that's alienating. It's actually like, I can relate to how, how deeply specific you are. Right. Yeah. And, then, and then, and then once I got a little we got invested in each other physically. Um, my language can change with the, these kind of dancers, with De- well, Devin in particular. And I mm-hmm. can use words like um, let go, mm. direct your movement, um, think of this shape initiating, um, articulate from this specific point of your rib cage. Um, kiss your knees together. I could be, I could use more of a, a non-codified dance form language. And I also, you know, I'm always so interested in this, you know, female body and um, how we're viewed. I think I I always talk about this with you, Michael, in these podcasts is that, um, you know, being in control of how we're looked at and being very aware of it and also being very aware of um, gesture for me and something Mm -hmm. that's decorative. I love that. That's something that's so specific and decorative, but not like indulgent, not like, um, you know, uh, as a form of materiality. I love things but I love very specific things like I love knowing everything I own and it say it's a lot you know if you think about every sock or every eyeglass mm-hmm. or something I love having a real a very clear relationship and loving everything loving every most everything I buy or purchase or touch or look at or how I choose an orange or a banana or something like there's something mm-hmm. I know it sounds really like obsessive, but there's something mm-hmm. that the materiality of things I really hook into. So I was thinking about gesture and color and something decorative. And I was looking at these, you know, Indian miniature paintings from the Mughal period. And I'm not not studied. I'm not trying to appropriate. I'm not trying to imitate. I was just really interested in the relationship interested I was aesthetically drawn to the relationship between like their arms and their neck and their ears and like the tension in their shoulder or the way their legs were like folded or and I was kind of like you know thinking about 
that that time frame and the oppression of women and still the oppression of women in Persian and, and those kind of cultures and thinking that, oh, I'm just using as an image. That was a really nice starting point or something for me to have in the studio just to look at these photographs of these mm. miniature paintings that are so detailed and you can see the sheer fabric and through the sheer fabric, you could see their leg and through the leg, you could see the skin and through that, you see the back of the fabric. And I remember years and years ago, going to a gallery on the Upper East Side and seeing some of these miniature Indian paintings and just being the simplicity, the color and the detail and the the decorativeness was so compact and strong and it was such a visceral feeling for me um, that I actually tried to take a loan out to buy one. And I mean, I got laughed out of that. <laughs> and I was like, I have to have these paint, you know, these mm -hmm. literature. So for some reason, working with Devin in, the, in this very small space and this female woman coming out of this, this huge dress with maybe a few gestures and you know it's not like you would see this this piece it's not a piece this maybe five eight minute ten minute long movement sequence you would think that but there's mm -hmm. some kind of warrior female gestural thing in this small little sequence that i you know yeah i love that well it sounds so cool and i hopefully i'll be able to yeah attend and anyone that's listening, they, that's November 12th at Art Bath. Artbathnyc.com. It's you, a very, and you will definitely, I don't know if there are any tickets left, but. You know yeah. what's cool about the ticket pricing I, I was seeing online is that it's pay what you wish, pay what you think you can afford. or really? you know, like Yeah, which I is wonderful. Here's the, here's the insider scoop on what I think is that they sell, they sold out really quickly, like very, it's kind of expensive, right? It says, mm -hmm. I think it's like an expensive ticket. And then I think they reserve some that are like, pay what you wish. Wonderful. So maybe like, if they contact me directly, I could like be like, oh, put your name on the list or something. <laughs> <laughs> very, cool. very, I mean, even if you just want to go there and have a coffee, it's a great... I mean, it, I have such admiration for these young artists who are so ambitious and tenacious and get shit done. Mm -hmm. Just they get stuff done. It's really amazing. I need to have a little more of that. <laughs> it sounds like you have plenty of that, Jody. I think really? you get things. Oh, I think you next? are getting things done. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. We always love having you on. And I'm sure you'll be on, you know, in like a few months from now when we're talking about all the other things you're getting done. My, when we're talking about my one woman show no I'm kidding yeah. <laughs> yes when when Jody retakes the stage that's, that's gonna right. be a pop let us know sure. and we'll bring you back oh yeah, my, yeah it may be nice if you guys wanted to come to that and um, yeah I'll of let you know you when would. I have the BAC um I think it's a Friday two Fridays from now let us know and we'll we'll put the information in the description of this episode too so people can look out for that so they have that information as okay, well. Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank, Thanks, Thanks, Jody. Thank you so much, Jody.